I don't decide. Shit, we playing the Hornets tonight. I'm a chill. I only get to go to Charlotte two times a year. Somebody paid their money to come watch me play. Like, not trying to be arrogant. Like, like it's a bunch of kids in there. My shoes and my jersey. And just because we playing Charlotte on NBA League Pass on a Monday, then ain't nobody f***ing watching it. I, nah, I'm chilling tonight. On a Monday, NBA League Pass on a Monday. Shit, we playing the Hornets tonight. On a Monday. You are Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, in a minute, cuz, we live. We live. <laughs> Chill, that might be true, but the Charlotte Hornets ah. on a Monday <laughs> on league pass got, got the victory against the Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum. This is Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making us your Hornets? first listen. We are free and available anywhere you get your podcast. And Hornets. that includes YouTube. We appreciate you hopping on. Wanted to make sure that we shout out FanDuel. Today's episode Hornets. is brought to you by FanDuel. You can make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with winning $5 money line bets as well. That's $150. Bucks. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started that's david walker he's come to join us and have some fun with the festivities after the victory <laughs> over boston that's doug branson check him out on his Substack, stack every hornets score.com and i'm walker mail listen to me sports radio 927 wfnz every weekday from 12 to 3 where thank god i have something to posit- positive to talk oh, about man. i mean i need it i need it yes. the fans need it the hornets it's- delivered again Woo! Finally, it's it's weird. You're right. It is again. There, there was a time where they they won. I guess their most recent game that they won where I <laughs> tweeted out. Thank you, Hornets. The city needed that one. And we needed this one badly, too. So the Hornets get it done. They they beat the Celtics 121 118 in overtime. And the question is, who deserves the most credit? Oh. I, I know. Doug, you pointed talk. out that you pointed out usually it's who deserves most of the blame because <laughs> right. there's plenty of blame to go around. This one is who deserves most of the credit. You know, m- maybe there's an easy answer for some of you. I do think there are a couple of guys that deserve a big old shout out. But David, you are the guest, the the family guest. Let's have you go first. Who do you think is the guy that deserves most of the light shined on them? Well, I'm going to give a special shout out to all of the Hive faithful that were in the house last night trying to do their best to drown out the Go Celtics chance. And I think they did. Uh, I don't know if you guys were caught it on the. I don't know if the mics picked it up, Doug, but, you know, there was a there was a audible and a and a and a a, a, a powerful defense chant, you know, late in that game uh, for the Hornets, for the home team. So so kudos to the folks that were there. I mean, the the true story of it is that there's plenty of credit to go around to really everyone that played big minutes last night because they all had a hand in it. I mean, Lamelo starts it off, I think, with the big night for him. Miles struggled shooting, but obviously made the big shot at the end. Gordon had his struggles, but played some pretty good defense on Jason Tatum uh, and made a big backdoor cut, um, you know, to tie that game up. So we can talk about them all, but, guys, it really was, for me, a big time group effort. Uh, everyone was called on to do some things last night, and the rebounds were huge. 
and, and so I would just give it all around. If you want to pin it on one person, man, Steve Clifford playing his guys forty minutes, <laughs> just play his best players. Well, all night doing long. a Tibbs, and, doing a Tibbs impression. Just got done exactly. playing the Knicks. I, uh, I think that might be the prescription. But really, uh, yeah, I mean, it's we can we can zero out uh, if if we want to, guys. But it was a, it was a group effort for the guys that were out there playing last night for me. Doug, you want to go with that. an individual? He, yeah, he tried. David David decided to do the whole everybody deserves credit. Yeah. This was a team win. All we got to do is take it one game at a time, and we'll be right back That's on right. track. What what individual do you want to give the most credit to? Are you asking me or David? I'm asking you, Doug. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of I all, I'll answer that. I'll yeah. answer your question in a moment, but I have to get something out of the way because there's something that's that's on my set right now that I haven't donned in a very long time. In fact, say. I'm a little scared to don it because it probably has so much dust on it at this point that I need to wear one of those masks that people who work in attics wear. But it is the big dub hat. And this win, the stunning defensive turnaround, holding the Boston Celtics, <laughs> your Eastern Conference front runners, to 43 points in the second half and then getting the overtime victory. No victory in recent memory deserves the big dub hat more than this victory. So let's get it on. Here we go. Woo! All right. Yeah. Wait, it is the go. first time. All right. In Let's a very long time. And to answer your question, the person that deserves <laughs> the most credit for this win, I think, and with, with apologies to Miles Bridges because he did hit the shot that won the game, and I think that's the easy player to go to. But I have to go with the player that I think was the winningest player in this game. Oh, yes. And that is one LaMelo LaFrance ball. Uh, LaMelo <laughs> was uh, incredible in this game. Really throughout, three-point shooting, uh, put them back into the game. They were down uh, late in that fourth quarter. And honestly, I'll be honest with you, I was ready to come on this show and critique LaMelo Ball's performance through the first part of that fourth quarter because against the Celtics scrub lineup, I expected LaMelo to get in there and dominate, and he was getting locked up by Peyton Pritchard. But he stayed with it, and he hit the big three that got it to four, and then, of course, hit the layup through contact. Nice little MJ kind of shove on, on, uh, on uh, uh, Jalen Brown, who I like to call Jalen Clown, uh, who really had a clown game. I mean, my God, Jalen Brown. Jeez Louise. Needed you. You know, Jason Tatum, 40-burger. What more could you have asked from that guy? And Jalen Brown just completely let you down. You had to depend on Peyton Pritchard. Please. So he pushes off Jalen Clown and gets to the rim, gets them two overtime, just I think you have to give it to to you have to give most of the credit here to Lamella Ball. Yeah, I think Lamella's the answer. So, but Mark Williams would be the other guy that I would consider. Miles Bridges hitting the shot. I it, he was a great rebounder in this game. Miles Bridges grabbed 15 boards, all defensive boards, by the way. Got to the foul line and hit all six of his free throw attempts. Three of 13 from the field, though, and hit two yeah. of his seven three point field goal attempts but did hit the one that really mattered at the end where that was, I, it was Del Curry, the way he described it made <laughs> the call on miles bridges. Three point shot was miles made chicken salad out of your grandma's Mayo oh, or yes, something yes, like yes. that. Grandma's chicken it salad was, with yeah. leftover Mayo. I don't know what he said. It was a weird call. <laughs> there was something to do with your grandmother's Mayo, which yeah, maybe we want to hang that one up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't well, know listen. what makes that better. I don't know if it's grandma's chicken salad that we should be referring to grandma for, but that was the call. 
and Miles Bridges hit it. And it was the most important shot of the game, of course. But everybody else hit big shots to keep a minute. And, and this goes back to your point, David. You know, even with Miles having gone three of 13, it's pretty easy to point to his big shot. Okay. Brandon Miller, four of 12, not a good shooting night. Did have a couple of shots late in this game to like the keep a minute shots. It yeah. really was to get them going in the fourth quarter shots because it happened early and then we didn't see it again the rest of the game, but they were early in that quarter. Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward hit a couple big shots too. got to the foul line eight times or shot it eight times and made seven. So, I mean, th- this is what goes to, I thought PJ challenged a ton early in this game too. Offensively, he finally got going from three point range until he missed him uh, later. Yeah, I, it was it was nice to see everybody contribute and your lead dog play like it at the end to to have the the game tying bucket and do it in a way that he's been criticized before not yeah. driving to the rim, not finishing with physicality. That's exactly how he tied the game against the best team in the NBA. So that was a beautiful possession, even if it looked like it was about to stall. A good old sideline out of bounds play from Steve Clifford. It took a little bit longer than I was comfortable with getting that in bounds, but they had everybody up. LaMelo grabs it, makes a beeline for the basket, and hits a physical shot. It was beautiful to see. Well, listen, they yeah, got they it were... in bounds. That's you gotta give credit <laughs> if they get it in bounds. And LaMelo playing yeah. with five fouls, and he played with five fouls because he was playing physical on defense. He was saying, look, you're not getting a layup in these situations. Got his hands in there a few times. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is in the past when he's gotten these frustration fouls, these ticky-tack stuff, you know, because he's frustrated with the fact that he's not getting a good whistle. And I didn't think he got a great whistle on this one. Like, I, I thought he got contacted by uh, uh, by uh, mm-hmm. uh, several players on that last layup. Yeah attempt um so he didn't get a good whistle in this one but he kept his cool he kept you know that's the thing like he did not let the team down in in the the end of that fourth quarter and then overtime he didn't turn the basketball over too much he found uh gordon hayward on that backdoor cut and he and he didn't panic in that last possession either when he gives the ball to bridges in that situation that he could have said all right i'm just you know blinders on going to the rim and turn it over he didn't do that he found somebody that had a little bit more of an open shot than he would have had yeah, even that last play. I mean, obviously the shot went in, but it wasn't it wasn't pretty. And I think I think Dell on the call also yep. said, "Huh, yeah." It was like this is not what Steve Clifford drew up. Like it was almost a grenade right to Miles Bridges. I think um, Lamelo tried to like give him a little ball screen once he passed it. It, it didn't look pretty, but it doesn't matter because it went in. And the fact is, if he does pick up that six foul, I, I don't think they win this game. I mean, you oh, know, no. he was so important to them. Uh, with his aggressiveness, right? I mean, that everyone will point to that that out of bounds play, and and that really highlighted it because the seas parted, and he went straight to the basket. I mean, and he didn't have to. I mean, it was right there for him. But in that situation, you know, could have pulled it out, shot a three, tried something, but made the right basketball play. Went to the basket hard. Of course, got knocked to the ground. It's just hilarious in that game to see, you know, the call that Tatum got on his three. Uh, for Gordon Hayward and then Lamella, what did he shoot one free throw last night or something? How? Um, how? Was, that, that that's the question yeah. I would like to ask in the next segment. How, when you take twenty-seven attempts in a game, and mm-hmm. I think only eleven of those twenty-seven attempts were three, how in the world do you come out of that game with only one <laughs> free throw attempt? How? How? Right. 
and he doesn't shoot in the, you know, it's either floater or layup. Like he's not shooting a lot of jumpers. He's going to the basket. He's, he's not getting the call. We could do a whole episode on that, why we think that is, you know, but it's just not happening, but he's finishing. I mean, that lefty high off the glass finish is, was unbelievable. Uh, so he's getting to the basket and scoring there, which is great to see. He's all the way fully back. I, I do want to talk, if you guys want to, about this this winning player, this winning, you know, what does it mean? I, let's Doug, let's do it. Let's do it in the next segment. Let's do it in the next segment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, winning winning player. You know, this is what we're going to get to. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Is LaMelo a winning player now? Because what we saw against the Boston Celtics, is that the game that makes it official if if you did not believe he was beforehand? We'll get to it in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options including spreads player props over-unders even more than that visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the nfl season fanduel the official partner of the nfl more locked on hornets ahead david brought it up in the first segment is Lamelo a winning player and before everybody gets mad at us for this question it is not <laughs> us asking the question that is not what's happening here we are only answering the question and aggregating it from other people who have asked it, whether it be Hornets Twitter, whether it be NBA Twitter, or whether it be actual articles written about LaMelo Ball having won the game last night against the Celtics, maybe the best NBA team, and still asking today, not yesterday before the game happened, still asking (laughs) today if LaMelo is a winning player. So apparently this is Brian Botkin who wrote this for CBS. Doug, is that right? I know this is Brad Botkin. If we're going going to read from him, we got to get the name right. So it's Brad Botkin from CBS Sports. The headline is LaMelo Ball continues his scoring tear as Hornets beat Celtics. But is he a winning player? Question mark. And Brad, this isn't an original idea by Brad Botkin. Multiple people, including some folks uh, from the Locked On Podcast Network, including Matt Moore, have questioned whether or not LaMelo Ball is a winning player despite consistently this season putting up 30 points per game. Uh, they, they just don't know yet if LaMelo Ball is a winning player. Here's Brad Botkin. I can't yet decide if LaMelo Ball is a winning NBA player. I struggle with the same question regarding the Hawks' Trey Young. They're similar players, with Ball, generally speaking, just being the taller and probably slightly worse version. What's interesting is that while Young came into the league with a reputation as a deadly three-point shooter, Ball's shooting was supposed to be a major question mark. So far, the opposite has been true. He would go on uh, to write, for my money, I just don't see Ball as a winning player. He can be one and is on certain nights a winner, as was the case on Monday. He's so talented that a certain amount of wins will be a byproduct of his counting production, or at least they should be if this Hornets team, which has some promising young talent, develops together. All right, there, there's a lot of hedging there, Oof, to be honest with right. you. Like, there's a lot of sometimes he wins, he wins sometimes, but he doesn't want to call him a winning player. And look, I okay, I, I got you. You know, David, what, what did you want to talk about when you brought it up in the first segment? 
Well, I just think that, you know, this is sports. The great thing about sports is you win or you lose. And if you're winning, if you win, you're considered a winning player. Like, it's not that hard. To me, we're talking about does he make winning plays? Is he out there making the team better? And to me, that's unequivocally, yes. I mean, he's made winning plays uh, when they've been in the, in the position to win a couple times this year. Uh, they have not won as a team. So, yeah, if you don't want to call him a winning player because the Hornets stink, uh, you know, that's I guess you can do that. But to me, like, this team has been so bad. The injuries have killed them. LaMelo um, is not the type of player that we've seen. Maybe he's taking the level. Maybe he's taking that next step that is going to just take over a game a la Luka or or LeBron or, or someone like that. Like, I don't think he's there yet. So if, if you consider that the only version of a winning player – no, I don't think he's there yet, but he makes winning plays. I don't know what the question is. Is it like, is he, is he unselfish? Is he too selfish? Is he stat padding to me? Like he makes winning plays. He makes the team better. He's trying to run an offense. And it's just funny that even on a night after a win, uh, that is not good enough to say it's a winning uh, player. And, 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 and Botkin is not the first to do this. Uh, this is this was coming on after last season uh, in the preseason all around, you know, uh, NBA Twitter or wherever. So it's it's funny to me that we're just in a rush to stamp somebody a losing player um, because they're not performing in a way that produces wins. It's making my head spin, guys. Honestly, I, I don't know which way is up. <laughs> what you got, Doug, on on some of the Botkin bites that you shared with us? So I think what this is is that LaMelo plays in a way that at times looks very flashy. It's the pull-up threes and transition that I think a lot of people look at and go, that's a bad shot. The problem is LaMelo, when he's locked in, hits that shot. And it is a shot that is incredibly difficult to defend in transition. It is an advantage shot when LaMelo is locked in. And, And I would say more often than not, he can hit that shot. It's not just some like, you know, random thing that, well, sometimes he's on, sometimes he's off. No, generally he hits that pull up three in transition, but he, he does play with a lot of flash and people then go, well, it's all flash and no substance. Right. And which is just not true. The fact is the performance that he gave against the Celtics last night is really the same performance that he's been giving this Hornets team consistently this season since he got out of his you know, early season funk because he didn't have much time to to ramp up because of the the ankle injury recovery. Okay, so since that time, he's been consistently giving the same exact kind of performance. The problem is he has you know sometimes you get a good Mark Williams rebound game, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get the forwards making clutch plays like P.J. Washington did in this game. He hit a bunch of threes that kept them in this game. You had Miles Bridges hit the go-ahead shot. You had Gordon Hayward score six points in overtime. Those guys, for the past couple of games, have been awful. And had they even played moderately well alongside LaMelo Ball's performance, then the I think the Hornets probably have another couple of wins heading into this game against the Celtics. I just People want to lay everything at LaMelo Ball's feet. Here's the issue. And I've said this before, I don't think LaMelo Ball is the kind of player, maybe he develops into it at some point, but he's not the kind of player that can carry an entire team because for 48 minutes, he's not a two-way player. 
it's, it is mostly offense. He can lock a guy up, as we saw against Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana Pacers. On possessions, he can be a good defender. But over the course of a game, he's, he's not a two-way player. So he, he's going to need players around him that perform that and help him offensively as well. And so when they get that, he can be a winning player, and he's shown that. And so, I, you know, I just don't I, don't, I don't buy this argument at all. Yeah, look, I think with LaMelo, what's interesting, it's, it's the shot selection, it's the amount of shots, and it's that marriage of right decision, pick and roll decision making, when to attack, and just learning how to be an NBA player that knows what the advantage is every single possession. And I think what's interesting is if you look at what happened in the first five games of the season played when LaMelo wasn't hitting anything. It was all about the rhythm. It was LaMelo coming back from injury, trying to find his, you know, trying to find his feet again. And in those first five games, LaMelo did not take more than 17 shots in any of those games. Okay. He took 17 in the second game of the season against Detroit. That was the most amount of field goal attempts that he had since then. From November 5th to November 20th, you're talking about seven, eight games played. The least amount of shots he's taken in a game is 19. So 17 was the most in the first five. Now the least amount that he's taken is 19. So this is someone that is wanting to take over scoring wise. And a lot of it is because no Terry. So Terry Rozier has helped him put a lot more shots up behind the perimeter. He's also hitting. So when you have confidence and there is a reason for you to shoot and you are, and so there's confidence, there's volume. Now there's a reason for you to do it. I think that does affect some of the other players around you, right? Like I do think that affected Gordon to a certain extent. I do think that affected PJ. Now the problem is it doesn't matter because if Lamelo is going to average 25 points per game on over 40% three point shooting, then sorry, you guys have to acquiesce because that guy's going to put some shots up, but it is interesting to try to figure out, what is the right decision, pick and roll decision making when he should attack? He is hitting at a higher frequency from the field overall this season. I do think that's a reflection of him attacking more and finishing more, as we saw in this game against Boston. What I hope is happening here is that we are seeing the uptick because he is averaging 25 a game now on good shooting. And so I hope kind of to what Miles Bridges said last night, that this is a game that allows them to see the light and it doesn't mean they're going to go undefeated. But can everybody see the light? And th- this is the blueprint. This is how you win, okay? And that that's what I'm interested in with Lamelo taking a lot of the shots, getting other guys involved when he has to, still attacking, everybody else settling into their role. Not a lot of usage for PJ. You're going to get a lot of shots and created for you. Mark Williams got a little bit of uh, some passes on the, you know, on, on some dives and just was a madman collecting all sorts of rebounds. It doesn't matter if they're 15, 20 feet away from the basket. He's going to go collect it. I just thought everybody like that. It looked like what the Hornets roster should look like on a basketball court. And so I hope that's what it continues to look like. Here's what's insane to me. He's scoring 28 points per game in the month of November on 48% shooting from the field and 43% Mm -hmm. from three. Now let's go back to Botkin for a second and his Trey Young comparison. <laughs> Trey Young in the month of November right now, averaging 24 points per game, really almost 25. So only a three-point difference. You're talking about one possession there, right? But he's shooting 38% from the field, 10 percentage points worse 
So not only is LaMelo a good scorer, he's an efficient scorer in this month of November, and they still lost games. And I, and I think you can't start asking questions about why that's LaMelo's fault, especially when you look down the game log and it's six-plus assists nearly every game and sometimes double-digit assists. He's getting other guys involved. There are questions that are deeper about why this team isn't winning, and they go way beyond LaMelo Ball, but because LaMelo yeah. Ball is the face of the franchise, he's going to catch these questions. It's the franchise's responsibility. Look, LaMelo is doing everything he can at this point. It's the franchise's responsibility to put players around him that allow this team to win because and, and put him into, into positions. I want to see LaMelo in more games that they're actually able to win. Then we can answer right. the question. When LaMelo has more clutch possessions, when he's got another play-in game, when he's got a playoff series, that's when we can answer that question. We're not going to I don't even know why we're asking it because we're not going to answer it in in November. Yeah, I'll tell you why. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton is the name that's brought up a lot when you say and he know, locked him up. Sure and he locked him up. I'm not sure about Lamella, but you know who I do like as a winner is Tyrese Halliburton. And all credit, dude. Tyrese is, is awesome. Uh, has he won anything? No. These people don't like fun uh, basketball. Lamella is fun basketball. I mean, the the you know, do you see these? Do you see the behind the back pass that he threw yeah. it, uh, from half well, court? The, like people look at that. I, I I seriously, if you say Lamella Ball is not a winning player, what you really mean is I don't like Showtime basketball. I didn't even grow up with Showtime basketball, but had I grown Magic up with Showtime Johnson. basketball, I wouldn't have liked it. I would have been like, yeah, no, Magic Johnson, no. Yeah, and there's still room for Lamelo to grow, right? Like, give you know, me a post up. Shot, I want to see a. I want to see a short hook shot. No, no Sorry, behind David. the back. No, this is this is Doug's no, show, no, dog. Like this is this is, is, this is <laughs> unbelievable. Just, yo, let it let him get it out, and then then we'll hear your take. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted with but, these people. But what what superstar doesn't have doesn't take some of those shots and, and miss them badly? I mean, even Steph, uh, everyone is going to take some of those shots. Yes, the Trey Young comparison is kind of an interesting one. Uh, but Lamelo, yeah, he can cut down on some of those wild shots. I'd like to see him maybe handle end of end of clock scenarios yeah. with a little more. You know, how about a chess uh, pass? How about a good clean yeah. chess pass? <laughs> Two hands. I, That's what I want to see. That's a winning player. <laughs> there we go. I just think, you know, uh, th th this is a young crop, and if they don't win right away, they're labeled not winners. And that's that's kind of what's happened to to, to LaMelo here. And, and yeah, yeah, at the same time, you have people talking about this, like Austin Rivers in the offseason was criticizing the Hornets for not people putting enough people around around him, around LaMelo. And that's really the fault of where it is. LaMelo has continued to progress. The scoring, I think, is, is better than anyone thought it would be. Maybe this is the jump of him taking over and saying, I'm going to be the lead dog scorer. Uh, you know, on a team that starts to win some, but it, it's just funny that this um, the, this sentiment continues to rear its ugly head even on a night when you know he makes winning plays and they win uh, at home against one of the, against maybe the best team in the NBA. So I don't think it's going anywhere though, guys. I mean, honestly, unless the Hornets win, um, it's going to be a continued theme. Well, okay. So last thing for me because it's already been a, a really long segment. Yeah. It <laughs> what I hope doesn't go anywhere is. The, the month of November for LaMelo, because you bring up Tyrese Halliburton, okay? And what Doug did was he filtered the stats for LaMelo, which is fine. This is the way he's playing right now. But the stats that are comparable to Tyrese is what LaMelo has done in November. They're not throughout their career. 
And so the the answer, the evidence that we'll have towards the Botkins of the world is if LaMelo continues to put up stats like he's doing right now in November. That That's what's going to help us, and that's what's going to take LaMelo to a new role. It's the mm. shooting 48% from the field and sh- shooting 40% from three, which is Tyrese's career numbers, right? Like, yeah. so when, when we come that that's just what he's averaging for his career. But you're right. He hasn't won anything to go to show you just how much the other the team around you does affect you. And that's true for LaMelo as well. And that's with Tyrese averaging. I think, yeah, it's over uh, eight assists on his career. He's averaging 11.6 this season. So th- this is the thing. Is this the Lamella that we're going to get the rest of the year? Because this is like uh, this offense that he's putting together. This is all NBA level offense that Lamelo has played in the month of November. And if that's the case, then you just you can't question them anymore. That's why I hope we continue to get this. And at at somewhere in this neighborhood, that's what would be great. Let's move on. Let's go to the last segment coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. I wanted to shed some light on other guys that helped. We asked who deserves most credit. We all agreed for the most part that it was LaMelo, but let's shed some light on some of the other guys that actually performed really well in this game because there is a lot of love to get uh, to go around. It's uh, This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers and battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You pick more than or less than on a two to six player stat projections, and then you can watch the winnings roll in. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can go with LeBron James, Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made and receptions. If you want to keep it local, maybe go Adam Thielen and LaMelo ball with the very same category that would allow you to hit the more than also prize picks offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player's rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Right now, you can go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. One more segment to go. Locked on Hornets. All right, let's give out some more love here. I I mentioned his name a little bit, but I I thought this was a sensational Mark Williams game. And this is someone that has struggled this year. I thought he had a great coming out party against the Hawks. I think he's been up and down. I think there have been legitimate questions that Doug has asked asked quite a bit, but they're valid. Physicality, lack of rebounding for over a seven-footer. Steve Clifford didn't play him against Miami. There are real problems. There are some growing pains for Mark Williams that – I just didn't expect as much. I, I took it for granted that this guy was going to continue on an incline. There weren't going to be any bumps in the road. And there absolutely have been. I thought this game, he worked his bleep off for those rebounds. He went out close to the out-of-bounds line. There were so many times where Del Curry said, nice hustle. There were great defensive possessions. It didn't matter if he got switched out onto a guard and needed to stay with like a Peyton Pritchard for dear life. He was able to swat it back. Like he contends and then he turns around and then he swats it with his other hand. And that's in the fourth quarter. That's like winning time defense for Mark Williams, challenging at the rim, posted three blocks. 
I, I, this might be his best game of the season. The only other one that you would put up there, it's Indiana and maybe the game against Atlanta, the one that opened it up. But I mean, this is against the Celtics. And they they don't have like a real physical big Al Horford. It, it wasn't playing in this game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes, you, you still want to see that against the big physical centers of the league. But what else do you want them to do? Like Porzingis is out there. It's not they, they have some height. They do have a Luke Cornett. Oh, yeah. oh, so yeah. w- with those guys, <laughs> him still playing, they do have seven feet, seven footers, I guess what I'm saying. Right. So. Yeah. He was able to battle, and I just I thought this was Mark Williams' best game of the season in a game where they absolutely needed every single one of his plays. Yeah, dude, don't sleep on Cornette. He will lay. He will lay. Yeah, Doug laughed on at that you. poor Cornette. Oh, well, no, I'm like Cornette, the Hornet killer. I've said that for years. Yeah. Well, look, man, I didn't think it was going to be a good matchup for Mark, and that's the funny thing about it. You're like, yeah, Porzingis is not physical, but he can pose such problems with you. Hang up by the three point line gets a shot off with with such ease and he's seven four dude i mean he's big so you know physical or not that's still a lot to deal with and the rebounding i think you hit on it walker is the big thing for mark williams right like yes clean up the stuff inside yes go strong he's still getting some of those dunks blocked but he recovered a big one last night and put it back in he's got nice touch you know up and under uh, around the basket which is sometimes a nice surprise you want to see him flush everything but again i mean it's it's a seven four guy um they're gonna win some of those plays too uh but when he gets a running start and Lamelo can dish those right off of the baseline you know those are those are automatic two points pretty much every time and and again the rebounding is huge if they if he can give them that those rebounds grab those boards be that dominant force then the scoring is almost just like uh, the cherry on top. But, I mean, it, it's big, and he had a great game. I think Clifford said it was the best game as well. Oh, okay. What, yeah, what do you sure. think, Doug? Yeah, for sure. I think I think a couple of things about Mark Williams. First of all, we see the put-back dunks, the ferocious dunks, the alley-oops that he catches from LaMelo Ball, and we see those. We know he has that in his game. We want to see him eventually extend that offensive game out to maybe the mid-range, uh, possibly you know a three-point shot or two here in sometime in the future. But what we don't give him enough credit for is the layup package. I mean, the 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 way yeah. for a guy his size, the his athleticism in terms of just being able to sort of morph his body and and get layups in is pretty impressive, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the thing that he needs to do to continue to be a a you know a good piece of this starting lineup is just hunt the basketball and, and I think the problem for Mark Williams sometimes is that he doesn't properly balance the idea of going for a shot block that he that he absolutely can get because if he misses it's going to take him out of of you know range of a rebound sometimes and so but you saw him in this game hunting for the basketball that's the Mark Williams that they need and on both ends, getting defensive rebounds certainly important. But this team needs him to be a good offensive rebound. And he had about as clutch of an offensive rebound putback as you're going to have. 30 seconds left in regulation. Gets his own dunk blocked. Gets yeah. the basketball back and puts it back in. You know, that's that's what they need. They need Mark to be Mark the Hunter. Mark Williams is fantastic. Uh, last little bit here. Um, I actually thought, I thought PJ challenged a lot at the rim. Like he only had one block. 
but how many lobs did he steal? How many guys did he push out when you're you have position and you push them out to the point where they're out of bounds and can't get it? Finally, after what was a god awful shooting weekend for PJ, hit a couple threes early to keep them in it. I thought PJ played well in this game for the most part. Miles Bridges, one thing this team needs help with, it's rebounds. And Miles Bridges 15. grabbed a ton of them. Um, and also, just overall, collectively, last thing for me, they allowed a 30-point first quarter. They allowed 65 points in the first <laughs> half of this game. That is not a good trend to, you know, to win, okay? that that's You're about to give up 130 they only gave up 121, or they only gave up 118 with overtime included. Guys, I thought in the first half, I thought even in the first quarter, I thought the defense was actually pretty good. They had blown assignments on some of the switch communication, and that was an issue where yeah. you had a wide-open three-pointer for Peyton Pritchard. But Jalen Brown, who you call Jalen Clown, was not Jalen Clown in the first quarter. He hit a couple of mid-range where hands were right in his face. Jason Tatum goes for 45. And it doesn't matter if there's a hand in his face or not. He just drilled it. I thought the Celtics made some really tough shots in the first half. And then the law of averages kicked in for the most part with the effort that like the Hornets didn't give up. That That's why I yeah. love the fact that they came out of the yeah. locker room, battled, didn't lose their way after playing what I thought was good defense with some bad perimeter breakdowns. And that was the reason they scored 30 in a couple quarters. But you know, they kept it up and then they end, ended up winning. I thought it was really nice. Well, the reason it was deceptive is because the ends of the first and second quarter were so terrible. Like they would play good, they would play really good basketball defensively for like nine or 10 minutes. And then in the last two minutes, the Celtics uh, would just get you, you're right, blown assignments there at the end, I think, really resulted in you go, man, 30 points. I didn't think they scored 30 points in that quarter, but they did. And then I thought in the second half, the adjustment that they made was just to throw more bodies at Jason Tatum to keep yeah. not to not to run him off the three point line. They were saying, "Look, Jason, if you want to pull up over Miles Bridges and PJ Washington, there's nothing we can do about that. But what we can do yeah. is keep you out of the paint." And that's what they did. They they made Jason they made sure Jason Tatum didn't turn into Jason Paynham, and that's what won them the game. <laughs> and, and listen, I mentioned it before, but I mean, they asked a lot of they Jason Paynham. They okay. asked a lot of. And what's um, with these different asked, color shoes that Lamelo's always wearing? Wear one color no, of shoes. No. Should be black or white. They, they That's did it. Ask a lot of uh, of Gordon Hayward. I mean, on, on defense, you know, he was one of the guys they threw at Tatum. But you could see it, man. Um, you could see the. It, there was a lot of personal responsibility taken last night on the defensive end, and you could see it down on the post. Miles Bridges was a part of that. All those guys, Mark Williams out on the perimeter with with smaller guys. I mean, I hope. I mean, that's the big question, right? Because you heard Bridges say it last night. Is this a springboard? You, you got to hope that Clifford can point to that and say, "Look, guys, this is the best team in the NBA. Uh, it's one of the best players scoring the basketball on the planet." Um, and you guys were able to throw some things at them and also score on the other end that help you win the game. But that's what they're going to need. I mean, let's be honest. They need their best players to play. They've got to play some better defense. Um, but they could have gone out. They could have hung their heads when Peyton Pritchard hung 25 on them, whatever, in the first quarter and hit a bunch of threes. So, you know, it was an impressive game from that end. And I do think, I mean, you know, we laugh because we opened up the show with the video of Tatum. But they definitely heard that. I mean, you saw my, my PJ Washington after the game running to the locker yeah. room. 
said not a bad win on a Monday night on league pass, you know? So like that was a little extra oomph for them. Uh, and you just, Finally. you gotta hope that they can just bring that on a, uh, on a nightly basis and say, if we got our guys here, we got our guys healthy, you know, and we play some defense, you know, we got enough guys that can hit shots and keep us in some of these games. Finally, they take bulletin board material and actually right? implement it out on the floor. <laughs> that's a that's a nice thing that the Hornets have not traditionally done. And I'm going to tell you one thing. We're going to find out in just another day whether this Hornets team is really serious, whether they're going to take this win and use it as you know a catapult into some better things this season. Because guess who comes up tomorrow night? It's the Washington Wizards. It's one of the few teams that just by the standings are worse than the Charlotte Hornets. So if they come out against the Wizards like they did the first time they played the Wizards and they lay a big old goose egg, then you're going to yeah. know that this team is they ha- they can have flashes, but they're really not serious. But if they go in and they and they beat the Wizards like they did in the second game against the Wizards, dominate them, then you go, "Okay, now the Hornets are starting to open my eyes. Let's go eat some turkey, come back and talk about it." <laughs> I'm excited. That's Locked On Hornets for you. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Make sure you make your second listen. Um, really, anything else on the Locked On Podcast Network and see what they're talking about with LaMelo Ball right now. That's David Walker. You can find him on Twitter, at David B. Walker. That's also Doug Branson. You can check him out on his Substack, stack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. If you want more Hornets glory, more Hornets joy, you can listen <laughs> to me, WFNZ, on 12 to 3, 92.7 FM. Have a great rest of your day, and we will be back with you tomorrow. Thanks again. And how about a bounce pass or two?